0: Welcome to the latest Science of Sport podcast. I'm your host Matt Solomon and today I'm delighted to be joined by Luis Mesquita. So Luis is a strength and conditioning coach based in Portugal. He's a co-owner of the Peak PT which is a gym and he also trains Portuguese triple jumper Susana Costa which makes him the perfect person today to discuss how you can use strength training to improve your ability in athletics. So without further ado it's time to welcome Luis onto the show. So Luis welcome to the Science of Sport podcast it's an absolute pleasure to have you here.
1: Thanks, mate. Uh, uh, thanks for having me. It's a true pleasure to, to be here, to have a nice chat with you.
0: Absolutely fantastic. So for those who don't know who you are, can you give us a quick introduction as to who you are and what you've been up to until now?
1: So so I come from Portugal. I have a degree in physiotherapy. That's where my, my professional journey has started. Um, but early on, since I finished my, my academic degree in physiotherapy, all my interest, uh, background, uh, education, and, and experience uh, working on the field has been directed towards uh, athletic training. So I've, I have a big interest when it comes to athletic performance. Uh, so I have been specialized in strength and conditioning over the last few years. Um, I had the opportunity to, to work in professional sports both in Portugal and in China as well in multiple sports such as football, uh, volleyball, uh, track and field, uh, roller hockey, etc. And currently I'm back in Portugal as a co-owner of, um, of a company, um, a group of training facilities here in Portugal where we work with with athletes from multiple sports. So, in a nutshell, I would say that's
0: it. So, you've done uh, you've done a lot of stuff and you've trained a lot of different people. Uh and today we're going to discuss uh how you can use strength and conditioning, strength and conditioning training uh to train for athletics. So, when we when we consider that, what do you think then are the most important factors um when you're looking at strength and conditioning for an athletics athlete? So,
1: strength and conditioning as a big bias towards strength and power training. And I would say when it comes to athletics, it doesn't differ so much um, in comparison with with other sports. And we should see strength and conditioning as a supplement to specific work of that sport. In this case, athletics. And athletics can be sprinting, can be jumping horizontally or vertically. Can be running over a certain period of time, so we should see strength and conditioning or physical preparation as a supplement to to, to sport-specific training. Um, and when it comes to to more specifically to strength and power training, I, I think it's very important for us to realize that it's just a means to an end. So uh, the gym uh, or the weight room should uh, should come. As a secondary aspect of the preparation for an athlete, and not as a first priority, I think that's a very good uh, place to start thinking about strength and conditioning for athletics.
0: So, in that case, you're quite uh, you're quite safe with the amount of strength and conditioning you want to do. Then you maybe don't want to go uh, overboard on making yourself too uh, too big or too strong as such, and unnecessarily investing your energy. Um, what are then the risks to performing uh, strength conditioning training incorrectly, or uh, maybe doing too much of it?
1: So there is a there is a big discussion, especially with sport coaches, uh, where there are some myths that say, for example, that strength training can make you slow or can make you sprint slower. And while this is a myth, um, it's, it It also has a part of a truth as well because depending on the type of strength training or strength and power training you do you can actually uh, make someone slower um, so uh, that's why I say that strength training should be seen as a meme to an end because normally we we are looking for increasing our uh, repetition marks in squats, deadlifts, bench presses, etc. But as I normally say, there aren't any gold medals for the heaviest squat in the weight room. So <laughs> especially in athletics, the main goal should be to sprint faster, to jump higher, to jump further. So that's uh, the scope of view that we should see. We should see strength training as something that can m- help athletes to sprint faster or to jump further or higher. And when we think about this uh, in this way, I think it changes a lot of things uh, on how we approach uh, strength training. So for example, uh, bodybuilding stuff. So to prioritize uh, muscle, muscle mass uh, for the majority of athletics events, uh, for athletics events, it's not a good Uh, starting point this is not saying that muscle mass is not important because we know through science that muscle mass is a prerequisite to to apply force or to produce force but um we should uh, focus our intervention in trying to make athletes more powerful faster throw further jump higher etc
0: so when when we look at that right you've got your um you've got your set principles in terms of uh, potentially reducing or limiting the amount of S&C work you're going to do and making sure that you're fresh for your uh, athletics training. Um, you don't really want to go and do bodybuilding training, but in that sense, then what type of training should we be doing? So when you start off uh, trying to get strong for athletics, how would that look and, and what type of strength training would you then start to introduce? Mm-hmm.
1: So I think in order to answer that question, we should uh, define First, what kind of strength are we talking about? because uh, when we think about being strong, we normally think we normally think about a lot of weight into the barbell or heavy bars, heavy dumbbells, and that's only one part or one side of the equation. So we have maximal strength, that is the maximal amount of force that I can apply irrespective of try of time so time is not a limiting factor for maximal strength we have explosive strength that is the maximum amount of force that i can apply in a certain amount of time and normally especially in athletics that the time to produce force is very short and we have also strength endurance so how long can i maintain a, a certain uh, force production so when it comes to 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 athletic to athletics uh, for most events, especially speed and power events, such as the sprints, the jumps, and the throws, we want to maximize explosive strength. So for explosive strength, we, we have this time-limiting factor. So, for example, when an athlete is sprinting, uh, ground, to- ground contact time for elite sprinters are about 80 to 90 milliseconds. So there's nothing, to be honest, on the, in weight room that we can do to prepare for those demands unless we are actually sprinting so we need to be very careful in, in weight room not only uh, when it comes to the type of exercises or the type of methods we use but as you said the volumes as well because if we spend a lot of volume inside of in weight room that will come with a cost and that cost is probably the athletes will not be uh, Pre, uh, fresh or with the proper readiness uh, for their specific workouts. So, of course, this depends also on the level of the athlete. If it's a young athlete, if it's an elite athlete, but normally we should, at least the way I think, is to come with an approach that we want to find the optimal dose. So we don't want to to have. Very large volumes. We just want to do the, the. I I wouldn't say the minimum, but I would say the optimal. So the the minimum we can do to maximize our 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 adaptation.
0: I think that's uh, some excellent advice, and we're going to touch on the difference later between uh, younger and older athletes. So that's uh, a really good one to come back to. But when you then mention we want to we want to increase our power, so how quickly we can produce that force. Um, What type of then training would you be looking at to do within athletics?
1: So power is a a mechanical definition. Uh, I like normally to, to look at as impulse. So we want to have large impulse in a short amount of time. And of course, the prerequisite for power or to be able to produce a lot of force in a short time is first we need to be able to produce a lot of force so this is where research uh comes in and research is very clear about this that maximal strength or being strong first irrespective of time is a prerequisite to be able to being strong in a short period of time so um that's a prerequisite we need to be able we need to make sure that our athletes are able to produce large amount of force in relation to their own body weight. Because body weight movement, and when we are talking about sprinting, jumping especially, we are moving our own body weight. So what we want is our athletes to become relatively stronger or relatively powerful, more powerful. So... Um, when it comes to methods, uh, it depends as well on what kind of strength are we talking? Are we talking about concentric strength? Are we talking about isometric strength or are we talking about eccentric stre- uh, strength? Because in athletics, since the ground, ground contact, contact times are so fast, um, most, uh, in the majority of situations, the most limiting factor is not concentric ser- strength, is isometric and eccentric uh, strength. So, and when we look at traditional weight room work, if we think a little bit about it, our, uh, the traditional weight room work is always limited by the load an athlete can move concentrically. So when we are doing a squat, uh, I can only move a load, uh, um, that is equal to my one repetition maximum. So if my RM, one RM in a back squat is 200 kilos, I'm limited to use that kind of load during my strength work. However, we know that during eccentric uh, and isometric actions, muscle actions, we are actually stronger than concentrically. So uh, especially with more advanced athletes, we need to uh, do the typical power training where we do throws and jumps with higher or lower loads. But we also need to have in consideration that uh, using those kind of exercise, ballistic exercises, uh, we are only emphasizing the concentric part. And we should not forget about eccentric and isometric. And for that, there are special means and methods uh that can supplement the traditional weight
0: room work i mean that's uh that's super interesting and uh i would re- be really interested to know what those uh the special methods are so if you could take us through uh-huh. exactly what kind of exercises you would then be using in uh in order to make sure that they're hitting not only the concentric but the isometric yeah. and eccentric stuff too that'd be fantastic
1: so I will start with the uh, with the uh, with the progression, starting from the lower end, so the the basic progressions, all the way to the to the most advanced. So by introducing um, eccentrics and isometrics, normally we use what is called tempo training. So this is so, for example, if I'm using a back squat as an as an example, and my one one repetition max is 100 kilos, let's say normally people call tempo work so lowering the bar during 5 seconds and explode coming up normally you are using less than what than your one repetition maximum and that's why this is called a basic progression a basic starting point because you are using a submaximal eccentric since you are stronger eccentrically then concentrically if you are using less than one repetition max it means that uh, doing five second back squat eccentrically is a submaximal eccentric so this is the starting point for isometrics you can also use what is called the pause variations or the holds so for example you do a back squat you pause during two three four five seconds in the bottom and you go up again so these first two lowering slowly and pausing at the bottom, this will be a starting point. After, if we go up in the force velocity curve, we can use, for example, uh, a partial range of motion. So normally we are talking about a full squat, but we can also reduce the range of motion, for example, to do a half squat or a quarter squat. And in that case, we can use a load that is higher than my one repetition max in a full back squat. So we are increasing a little bit the demands we can use. If we continue to surf the force velocity curve, we get to the point of isometric strength or isometric force. This means that I cannot move this load concentrically. So this is when it comes, for example, uh, a squat against the pins. So what is called normally an overcoming squat. We are trying to move a load, a very heavy load, as explosively as we can. But since the load is so heavy, the bar does not move. Going even further in the force-velocity curve, we start to enter enter the eccentric portion portion of the force-velocity curve. So, for example, we can use accentuated eccentric uh, training. So, for example, those hooks. I uh, I don't know, Matt, how do you normally call those hooks where you can put on the bar? Uh, Weight weight releases. Yeah, weight releasers. So, you can use the the weight releasers. So, for example, you are using, let's say, 120% of one repetition max. You lower, you go down in the squat with that load. The weight releasers come off in the bottom of the squat, and you squat up with a load that you can move concentrically. You can also use, uh, for example, going uh, low-tech variation, for example, going down in one leg, going up, coming up in two legs. So this uh, allows you to create an eccentric overload. And we can even go further in the force velocity curve, where you enter the stage of Uh, supramaximal eccentrics and quasi-isometrics. So, for example, to do altitude landings where you are dropping from a 75-centimeter box, one-meter-high box, and when you touch the floor, you need to stop abruptly. This is where, for example, flywheel work comes in where you are getting an extremely high eccentric overload but in a fast manner as well. So, in a nutshell, when we go all the way through this progression, we start with slow eccentrics with low loads, and we progress all the way up to very heavy eccentrics, but fast. And uh, eccentrics need to be trained with fast muscle action and with high loads, because that's exactly what happens in this case in athletics during sprints or jumps. For you to have an idea. Uh, in triple jump, the the landing of the first phase, or what is called normally the hop, uh, has more than a peak force of more than twenty times body weight in one hundred and fifty milliseconds. So you need to be prepared to do that. <laughs>
0: that's, a, that's a huge amount of force in a very small amount of time. Um, in one leg, <laughs> in one leg as well. Wow. <laughs> so um, when we when we then look at the difference between uh, younger and older athletes. Um, what's uh, what's the difference in the training types? Because, I mean, you've just mentioned some really high amounts of forces, um, but you've also mentioned some in, like, incredibly complex uh, and high-level exercises as well. So how would you then differentiate between uh, an older, experienced athlete and maybe a young athlete uh, around uh, 16 to 18, for example?
1: Yeah. So uh, developmental athletes should start with basic progressions. So they should start with... Uh, with the basic stuff, not only in the weight room, but also when it comes to plyometrics, when it comes to speed development, etc. So we know through transfer of training research that for developmental athletes, general work will have a great transfer potential for specific actions. So for example, uh, things we do in weight room, squats, deadlifts, uh, bench presses, chin-ups, all those things are general for most sports. If you are a non-strength sport, so for developmental athletes, those kind of methods will have great transfer to sprint faster and jump higher or jump further. Um, so you should start with those. And there is an analogy that I, I recently uh, read from, I think Martin uh, Martin Boucher, the Uh, uh, a French uh, researcher and he has the toothpaste analogy. So if you go to a toothpaste and you press uh, exactly in the middle, of course, you will have uh, the the paste will come off. The toothpaste will come off. But after a short period of time, uh, you need to go back to the bottom and start pressing the toothpaste again so that you can have toothpaste again. And we should see young athletes as we need to start pressing in the bottom, in the bottom, and in that way, as we keep pressing, we will keep having, we will still have toothpaste coming off the tube. So we need to start progressing through basic um, progression. So in this case, uh, squats, deadlifts, and when the athlete becomes more experienced more elite general work will not have great transfer. So if you go to an elite sprinter or jumper, it's not just because you have twenty kilos in his squat that is going to jump more or to sprint faster. Actually can the opposite can also can actually occur. So in that case, you need to use more advanced progressions, and those less progressions that I said, for example, super maximal eccentrics, those should be reserved for more elite, more elite athletes, and not to younger athletes. So, in a nutshell, do the basic stuff first for younger athletes, do the more advanced stuff more to more advanced athletes.
0: I think that's uh, some fantastic <laughs> advice, especially for uh, an Instagram generation of, uh, of younger athletes coming through who yeah, want absolutely. to do all the advanced stuff. Um, but don't necessarily have the foundations in order to make sure that they are able to do that both technically and in terms of uh, reducing injury risk. So I think that's uh, some fantastic advice. Um, and then the last thing that I want to come on to is uh, some additional exercises. So we've gone through a, a range of good exercises and a range of different progressions. Um, are there any like sport specific exercises that you'll use? Um, when you think about, for example, uh, looking at a long jumper, because I know you are or a triple jumper. I know you're working with a triple jumper mm-hmm. now. Um, are there any uh, specific exercises you would then use in the gym to make sure that you're getting the best out of her?
1: I think the concept of specificity in the weight room is a little bit, uh, it's a little bit a gray zone. Uh, I know there are plenty of stuff going on regarding specificity in the in weight room. I, however, I I definitely believe that all the things we can do inside weight room is not specific enough for you to prepare someone to the demands of a certain sport. Uh, and in this case, in athletics. So I I normally try to look at weight room as a way to develop physical qualities. In this case, to develop the ability to to produce force, uh, to to produce force. So a lot of force. And when I want to produce force faster, I'll use uh, normally throws or ballistic exercises such as jumps um, in order to to have the, that time-limiting factor in, in, in account. But I don't believe in true specificity in the weight room. For that, you need to actually be doing specific work. So for example, for athletics, that comes with uh, plyometrics, multi-jumps, multi-throws, uh, sprint work so it's not really something that you can work specifically in the weight room but for the weight room in a nutshell i would say that if you are moving something heavy and slow if you are moving something light and fast both with maximal intent if you are jumping if you are throwing if you are sprinting you are doing for sure more than 80 percent of a great job because if you are moving something heavy moving something fast with full intent you will reap the benefits of the weight room for sure
0: absolutely fantastic so Lewis, massive thanks for your time today it's been a pleasure talking and super insightful so thank you very much thanks mate cheers buddy and that's it once again a massive thanks to Lewis for all of his hard work on today's podcast i really appreciate it and i'm sure you do at home too if you enjoyed today's podcast, it'd be fantastic if you can give us a quick rating and a review on whichever podcast sender you're currently listening to. That means that we can keep spreading the fantastic word of the podcast and, of course, bring on the best possible guests. And if you have enjoyed today's podcast and you want some more information on strength and conditioning, be sure to check out The Coach Academy. The Coach Academy is a series of mini lectures broken down into bite-sized chunks. So if you have enjoyed today's podcast on strength and conditioning... There are a range of strength and conditioning based lectures in there and you can watch those completely for free using the link in the show notes. So all you have to do is click that link you can get seven days completely for free so that you can upgrade your strength and conditioning knowledge. And that's it. Once again a massive thanks to Lewis for all of his hard work on today's podcast. I'm Matt Solomon for Science Support, Sport and I'll speak to you next week.